Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. This okay. is Byron O'Neill for Comic Book Yeti sitting down today with writer Kel McDonald to talk about their new Dark Horse comics. Um, now it's Dark Horse. Project The Stone King. Thanks for joining me today, Kel. Hi, happy to be here. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about The Stone King as a story? Uh, the Stone King is about a um, young thief and she, um, it, in the very like first few pages, climbs a, this giant creature that lives near the um, her home called the Stone King um, because there is magic moss that grows on the Stone King's shoulders. And while up there, she finds a magic gem um, and takes that to sell. Um, and that triggers um, the Stone King to lash out and go out of control and start to wreck the city. Um, but she's already fenced the gem by the time that happens. So most of it is her trying to retrieve the gem, hoping that if she returns it to the Stone King, um, that the it will stop its rampage. Well, it was a bit of an unusual take on, on a fantasy world for me. Um, because at least for now, you don't have a lot of fantastic beasts running around. For the most part, it's centered around on that one large giant stone golem. It looks like something straight out of Lord of the Rings. I mean, there, there are a few other critters running around that play significantly reduced roles. I love the what looks to me like Irish wolfhound inspired decos. Did you mm -hmm. start with the big guy and, and build the rest of the world around it? Um, so basically, I approached Tyler and said, I want to work with you. Um and then um, the way we came up with it is uh, Tyler explained an image to me, and then I just made a story to go with the image. Um, and so Tyler thought of the Stone King and someone having to climb it. Um, so our, our titular main character kind of kind of like it's the first slash page. That's sort of like the image that Tyler described to me. And then I made the rest of the see the story from there okay well, it's it's rather spartan topographically visually outside of the city it looks reminds me of kind of the isle of sky uh, it makes the, the the city feel more much more isolated and, mm -hmm. and plays up those character dynamics um kind of focusing on what seemed like clash tensions specifically among the citizens yes. so was yes. it was the intent to write about class disparity um, so, uh, this is a thing where it's, uh, the more you write, the more you realize there are things that you're putting in all your work unintentionally. And then <laughs> now you're starting to lean into it. So I don't think I intentionally went in trying to write about class tensions and then realized they were there. Um, and then the stuff I'm working on now, it's more intentionally like that is what it's about. And that's what, um, everything's going to focus about. Whereas Stone King, it was, I had just um the adventure is sort of the focus 
and other stuff, I was like, well, now I'm going to be more deliberate about this thing that I did by accident in previous works. So it, it feels, you'll have to forgive me, like, like a middle grade book. And I don't know if it was. Targeted. Yeah, that's exactly the intent is um, uh, it's very much supposed to be like um, middle grade um, in the uh, there's commentary in the back of the book where I talk about how specifically thinking like, what is a book I would want to read at age 12? Um, and that's kind of what I was going in, which is also why the story is kind of straightforward. It's get the stone, give it back to the stone king. Yeah, it, it reminded me so much of, of something truly timeless. I, I, I was thinking of like Tintin or something like mm -hmm. that. You know, someone could have picked it up 20 years ago or 20 years from now and it wouldn't feel dated. So what were some of your inspirations for the project? Um, well, both Tyler and I like uh, Avatar Last Airbender and Legend of Korra, which is why she has her big climby dog to ride. Um, I believe um, sh we talked about Shadow of the Colossus for the video game for a visual look. Um, and then um, for the city's design, I was looking at a lot of, um, I sent Tyler a bunch of stuff from um, ancient Babylon, Babylonian, like Assyrian architecture. Um, and then we talked about Mobius designs. Um, and um, most of the designing, like I just sent this stuff to Tyler and let him do it. Uh, I think the only thing I asked for character wise is I asked for the main guy uh full to have a broken nose um and that was kind of it like i was like so the characters can i was like you design show me what the characters look like and then i'll go from there um but i would like the guard kid to have a broken nose any reason specific for the broken i nose? just like the way it usually looks on characters okay. um, well i was familiar with tyler's work previously as, as a fan of harrow county how did you two end up working together on the project? Oh, like I said, I, I told him uh, we were both in the Portland area and it was like at a comic meetup thingy. And I uh, told him, I just said, like, like I said, what's a thing? Describe a thing. I'll write a story for it. So. Well, his, his artwork style is, is so distinctive, uh, even. Yeah. Even the color palette choices with that that watercolor, you know, kind of overlaid to things, um, except for the reds. Red plays a pretty significant role in the Stone King. So, um, yeah. talk to me about a little bit more about that that collaborative process. You've you've touched on it a little bit, but it's just um, it's it's very unique sounding to to give the artist that much creative control. Well, so the thing is, is um, I also draw uh, other stuff that I've done in the past is me writing and drawing. Um, and I think like when I work with an artist, I want them to have that much control and be involved. Um, and um, sometimes when I see like other writers scripts where they're being kind of more micromanagey i'm like it makes me feel like they're not trusting the artists to do what they want to do um so i kind of like am very hands-off like here's and handing that to the artist because it's like if i didn't trust them to do that part and do what they want to do um 
then why would I be working with them is sort of my take on it. Um, so, um, and if I want to be that micromanaging, then I'll draw it myself because then I don't have to frustrate someone because it's like, but could you do like this very specific detailed thing? Um, like, um, it's one of those things where it's like, um, because I know how to do it myself, if I want to be that particular, I'm can just do it rather than drive someone crazy with super specific micromanaging orders. So do you like the, the creative freedom that is doing everything yourself or do you like the collaborative process of working with other people? Um, both have their strengths and weaknesses. Um, I um, kind of get a little bit more attached to the stuff that's just me because I can get that micromanaging. Um, I'm not particularly fond of coloring books. So you'll notice that uh, a lot of the books that are just me are black and white um, because uh, after doing my webcomic Sorcery 101, I was like, I, I don't want to color that many pages ever again. <laughs> um, Sorcery 101 is um, 1,600 pages long. That's a lot. Well, this project started as a, a comicsology original and was an mm -hmm. Eisner nominee for best digital comic mm -hmm. there. Um, yeah. As I understand it, Dark Horse has an arrangement to, to take some of those titles to print. So does, yes. it, is, does it change the way you think about a project conceptually, kind of making that transition from something originally intended as online, um, or was your intent always to take it to print? Well, so when Comixology approached us, they told us that they were trying to start like their own line. Um, so for a little while, Stone King was like a print on demand thing. And I think the intent was the Comixology books were going to be testing that out. So we always knew it was going to be a book. Um, so I did think about page turns and stuff like that. And all of my webcomic stuff, I usually intend to print. So I I'm kind of planning for both at the same time anyway. Um, Cause um, I'm not as fond of Webtoon's infinite scrolling thing, um, but that's more like personal preference because the word balloons are not in the panel and that bothers me on uh, like, I, I like a, finicky anal level it's like why isn't it in the balloon <laughs> i mean why isn't it in the panel um so um uh if you look at like i i started sorcery 101 back in um 2005 and that wrapped up in 2012 um and those were all basically comic pages but they were landscape instead of vertical and that was kind of the only difference between stuff that i went straight to went to web first and then went to print versus the other way around or just print. Um, so that sort of, I like page breaks basically. So it's in, uh, I was thinking about it um, when um, writing Stone King, like making sure that like there are nice page turns, there are nice um, double page spreads. Well, now that this is collected as a graphic novel, I think I saw that you have other tales to tell in this this little universe. Um, that is not going to happen. Oh, Both Tyler okay. and I are too busy. Uh, so, 
if it does happen, it's going to be a long time from now when we're both less buried by a million other things. Well, putting your pitch hat on, who's really going to love the Stone King? And and I ask people this all the time. I know it's an annoying question, but you, you can't say everybody. Uh, well, I was going to say um, uh, teens that want adventure, um, but maybe don't want romance in their adventure. Um, so um, part of going into the Stone King and thought of what would I want to read when I was in middle school? And I always like adventure stories and I like the girl being an Arctic active tar- participant in the adventure. Um, I didn't really like it whenever the adventure was put on hold for people to talk about their love triangle stuff that it, we all know is who, what the foregone conclusion is. So um, uh, it's kind of, I wanted there to just be this um, exciting action adventure without any romance in it but still be friendly for um, uh, readers of all genders. Well, you've been making comics for a while now. I mean, you, you referenced Sorcery 101. That was in 2005. You were in high school then, I think, if I did yeah, my so research. Yeah, I started it my senior year of high school. So did you always want to be a comics writer? Did you choose the medium or did the medium choose you? Um, I wrote like what's a prequel to sorcery 101 as prose and hated it so i was like i would rather be drawing um which is why i switched to comics and i actually didn't read that many comics until i started making them interesting well you have to be a a dog person because the the familiarity between the characters and i i love that the i mean i say it's a dog it's not exactly a dog it just looks like a dog to me anyway hey you and the stone king um yeah. so you have a dog affinity anyway i'm, I'm a dog person um you have a, a specific interest though in, in werewolves where did that yes. come from uh i always liked werewolves um i i don't remember the first time i got into werewolves um uh like every time i'm trying to think of what was the first werewolf thing that i got really into it might have been like when I was eight and read Goosebumps, <laughs> but um, I like werewolves because um, to go back to intentionally leaning on class conflict stuff, um, this is this rant is partly a joke, but partly serious. Uh, werewolves are the proletariat of uh, urban fantasy movie monsters because um, their humanity is contingent on them being in a form that the rest of society deems appropriate. Um, And so I like that werewolves um, united as a pack are stronger again to go with the, that's why they're the proletariat. Um, And then fighting vampires, which are the um, 1%. And then uh, there's also like uh, they forming, I like the aspect of, um, Becoming a werewolf isolates you, but then also because of like doing a thing with packs, there's a built-in community of this shared um, aspect. So it's easy to do like um, a larger cast or like found family and focus on that community building. Um, so I just think they're neat. So what's your, your favorite werewolf recommendation? This can be a movie, comic book, novel, whatever. Um, 
So uh, I really like Wolf Walkers, which is right now exclusive to Apple TV. Um, it's a animated movie by Cartoon Sloan. I might be saying their studio name wrong. They did the Book of Kells and um, uh, they're an Irish animation studio. Um, so uh, that's a newer one that I really like. Um, and then if someone wants a more classic horror werewolf story, um i really like the movie when animals dream which is a, a danish horror movie um so those would be the my go-tos when someone's like what are good werewolf things to check out so i say when animals dream or wolf walkers depending on if your kids are going to watch it with you <laughs> so have you ever read james inge's the the wolf age uh yes i have Okay. I, I absolutely love that book. That's kind of my, one of my go-to recommendations just because of the the structure of the society. I haven't yeah. rarely seen that, that built up in that way. So, um, um, and as far as comics, um, uh, Artie and the Wolf Moon by uh, Olivia Stevens um, is a new release about a, a black girl who finds out that her mom and her mom's extended family are all werewolves and, that one's really good too. Well, what other projects do you have going on you'd like to shed a little more light on? Uh, so right now I have a free web comic called The City Between, which is about werewolves in the future. Because um, I wanted to um, mix urban fantasy with like talking about some tech things. And like I said, lean more into the class consciousness stuff. Um, and then exclusive on my Patreon, um, I have a fantasy comic called You Are the Chosen One, uh, which is 23 kids get the same prophecy dream telling them they're the chosen one. And it's about how they all react to that um, news. Um, so uh, I just that one I did more fantasy world building Um stuff and was more that that's the one where I was like I'm anal to being anal about this so I'm gonna do it so don't have to micromanage anyone else uh and that's that's exclusive to my patreon a page goes up every week for anyone who backs for a dollar well tell me about organizing the the cautionary fables and fairy tales anthologies from iron circus um so cautionary fables and fairy tales uh it's an anthology series where um uh, me and my friend Kate, um, we uh, both like folklore and fairy tales and whatnot. Um, and then we decided um, to have something kid friendly at conventions, but also to like share our love of folklore and in and in a way learn about other cultures as well. Uh, so the series is each volume focuses on a different region. Um, and we do comic adaptations of um, folklore from around the world. So we have um, The Girl Who Married a Skull and other African stories are all African folklore. Um, Tamama the Fox Maiden and um, other Asian stories is all Asian folklore. Um, then Nixie in the Mill Pond and other European stories would be like more the folklore that um, Americans are more familiar with. So like Jack and the Beanstalks and that one. Um, and then uh, the most recent one, and then um, last year, um, the Night Marchers and other Oceana stories um, came out. And that one is 
doing uh, New Zealand, Australia, Hawaii, the Philippines, kind of a bunch of Pacific islands. Um, and then um, the last year we kickstarted <clears throat> and it's coming out in a couple of weeks, uh, Woman in the Woods and Other North American Stories, which is all um, Native American folklore and is focusing, uh, all the artists are um, Native American, um, and um, yeah, so that's kind of like, we just wanted to have a education through comics and share that we like folklore and get everyone else on board. So there's been coming out like every year at this point? Yeah, kind of the yeah. They used to come out um, every other year when Kate and I were self-publishing them. Um, but when they got picked up by Iron Circus, um, Iron Circus has been putting out like their version every year um but uh kate and i still are like we need about two years to organize this whole thing like we take a it's a year of picking who's going to be in the next one um and then a year of actually making it so yeah being an editor for an anthology can be rather intense as i understand it yes <laughs> so um is the plan then for the next one you maybe even haven't gotten that far with everything going on with Kickstarter, is that just going to be more of a direct with Iron Circus thing? Yeah, so Iron Circus uh, just kick, um, crowdfunded uh, with their own plugin, um, uh, Poor Crafts Cookbook. Um, so we're going to have that be um, through that, but still do the same, like the contributors get a raise depending on how how, how much funding we get. And um, so the next one uh, will be South American folklore. So Okay. Well, what are you seeing out there today in the world of comics that's inspiring you? Um, well, uh, I really like uh, Blue Del Conti's work. Um, they um, used to do a webcomic called Oh Human Star, um, and their new book just came out called Across a Starfield Sky, um, which is about two teens um, from different like space cultures. One is kind of based off Star Wars and one is kind of based off Star Trek uh, and they become pen pals back and forth. Um, so I really liked that. Um, I've been really enjoying uh, the manga Golden Kamui, uh, which is about um, some uh, Japanese soldiers and looking for gold in the Hokkaido region of Japan. Um, after like, bef I forget what the war is specifically called, but it was Japan's right after Japan's war with Russia before World War II. Um, so it's like the beginning of the 1900s time period. Um, and, uh, I'm trying to think of other stuff that I'm reading. I really like the manga series Beastars, um, that one's about um, an animal people society and what would it actually be like rather than just them being furries. It's them like animals actually, some of them want to eat each other. And how would you build a society where certain citizens want to eat other citizens? And um, so. Yeah, I've, I've heard that one's really, really interesting. I got it. That was a recommendation from when I ask, okay, I'm, I'm coming as a complete, you know, 
noob to to the mm-hmm. manga world except from like the stuff from the mid 90s so it's been a while um and that was one of the recommendations they gave me so yeah b stars is really good um uh it's also um it's it's interesting because like the art is really rough in places but it's like going for a mood and working with what the author's skill level is so i think like the anime is on netflix and kind of cleaned up the art but i feel like i kind of like the rougher art for b stars so well <clears throat> my last question as a webcomics creator with some longevity now what advice would you give someone thinking about starting one and don't is is not an acceptable answer See, I don't have any advice because everything that I used be to get my webcomic rolling doesn't exist anymore um, because um, I used to use this thing called Comic Genesis. They don't exist anymore, like, and used to do free hosting for webcomics. Um, then I used to advertise it on Project Wonderful, which that doesn't exist anymore. It was like a little ad company just specifically for webcomics. Um, it was run by Ryan North. Um, and then, um, uh, yeah, so it's kind of like everything that I use to get the word out about my webcomic is now defunct and doesn't work uh, or people don't use it. Um, and so as someone wants to start a webcomic now, I guess I would just say, um, I guess put it on Webtoon or Tapas or because those are free to host, I believe. Um, but at the same time, like, um, I don't really know any good ways for someone to go out and advertise um, because like the appeal of Project Wonderful is that it was cheaper um, than most places and more targeted. Um, then um, I believe Hiveworks does a good job getting the word out about all their different web comics. Um, but they do most of that like internally. So it's kind of like, I don't know how they're getting someone who's never read any web comics to read their comics. I think they're just saying, you read this comic, read all our other comics. Um, and um, also lately, social medias have been more and more like hostile to external links. So uh, it's been compared to a few years ago, diminishing returns promoting on social media. Um, Cause like I used to advertise on Tumblr a lot and now they have that when you search a thing, you don't get anything that links someone away from Tumblr. Facebook has always sort of hid external link posts that you make, even if it's on a fan page. Um, so it's like, it's easier than ever to put yourself out there, but I don't know how you would get someone's attention. So other than just do it, um, fuck around and see what happens, <laughs> um, basically. Um, Cause at the end of the day, just, just making the comic that's step one. And that's going to be the thing that people can't do. Um, that's the thing that stops most people is they, they haven't made the comic that they've quote unquote always wanted to make. Um, so if you make it and you post it online somewhere, um, you gotta figure out how to get new people eyeballs looking at it. Um, and that's becoming increasingly hard. Um, I will say, um, 
while using webtoon or tapas or any other free hosting site for web comics um i would encourage someone that as soon as they can to make a website that is their website that they control because like i said like all these social medias changed how their algorithms work um and so like having your own having been through the rise and fall of all these different tools that i use to get my fan base it's kind of like it's a good thing through all this that i did have my own website because otherwise whenever those things stopped working i would have hit a dead end and had to start all over um so uh that wherever you're posting as soon as you can manage to make your own website you should and then also post it on your website so that way you have something that you control and you're not at the whims of Twitter or Facebook or Webtoon or anything. It's, so. It seems like a, a complete and constant total hustle to, to just get your yeah. stuff out there. That's the thing about the internet is like every two years, three years, like it's a completely new situation. So, um, yeah, I saw you were, I think you were using Twitch. How's that working? Uh, I've been doing streams on Twitch mostly to um, stay focused okay. um, while I'm being productive. Um, so um, if anyone wants to come hear me talk about whatever is on my mind, uh, I stream art drawing on Twitch um, every Tuesdays and Wednesdays um, from 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'm usually talking to a friend um, and we're just talking about whatever we watched on TV that week or movies that we saw um, while we're both drawing. Um, and yeah, um, partly it's to keep me focused so I don't like, um, so I don't end up like dicking around on the internet and I actually get my work done because if someone can see my screen, it's like, oh, I can't go goof around and read nonsense on Twitter for hours and hours. I have to actually be doing what I told the people who came to watch what I'm doing. Um, and then I play video games there occasionally um, with some friends. Mostly we've been playing the game Don't Starve Together, um, which is a little like survival game with like that runs on cartoons and puns. So um, is yeah. that a an offshoot of don't starve it's just a different version yeah it's just a multiplayer version of don't starve so okay. um if you play don't starve you know how to play don't starve together you just you use teamwork um rather than being alone in the wilderness you have your buddies sounds fun yeah i'll have to check it out my, yeah. my kiddo evolves constantly what he's doing he's back into Fortnite these days so um, well, Kel, it's been a, a pleasure getting to chat with you today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem. Um, and the, the Stone King will be released by Dark Horse. Is that early May? I think so. Okay. I don't actually know. <laughs> well, I know shipping delays and, and printing schedules and everything are a little crazy right now. So, yeah. Well, I hope everyone out there um, that is listening, pick this up. I really, really enjoyed it. It's it's very classic storytelling. It's visually gorgeous. Um, this is Byron O'Neill for Comic Book Yeti. Thanks everyone for listening today and take care. See you next time.
This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptid Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.